Thanks so much, Chris. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Is that coming through? Yeah, awesome. So yeah, it's great to be together. It's yeah, raining outside, it's nice and cool, those out there. And um, yeah, just welcome to those um, at home as well. And yeah, as Haley explained, we're going to start a new um, series for a little bit. Um, yeah, if you're new kind of with us this year, what, what we tend to do is um, what we've been doing the last few weeks, which is teaching through a book of the Bible, which we're teaching through Matthew this year, and we kind of do that for a little bit, and then take a break and do something a bit more topical, um, and then we'll come back and teach some more through Matthew after that as well. So that's kind of the, the plan. And um, yeah, this series that we're looking at um, for February is called Devoted Followers of Jesus, um, which is actually taken from our vision statement as a church. Um, if you haven't seen it or, or don't know it, um, this is our vision statement, which is kind of like why, why we're here, uh, what we're about um, as, a, as a community, as a, as a church in Kalanga in this place. Uh, the reason we're here is to see the kingdom of God realized by being a growing family of devoted followers of Jesus who love him wholeheartedly and live as his people in the world. Um, it's a bit of a wordy vision statement. It's probably not such a catchy vision statement, but I think is so good because it actually encapsulates some of the, the different aspects of what it means to be a church because we're a community that actually holds lots of different things together. Um, we're actually here not primarily for ourselves or for this organization, but for the kingdom of God. Actually, the, the point we exist is because Jesus is king and we want to see people recognize that and see evidence of that, like Gretel was saying, evidence of the new creation that, that's here. We want that to be realized. But God's plan is that that happens through small groups of people that we call local churches, that actually through growing together as a family is actually how the kingdom is made known. So we want to be a growing family and not just um, a family who gets together and um, has tea and coffee and, and lunch and, and snacks and all that. That's good too. But we want to actually be people who are devoted to following Jesus and learning and growing in, in, in likeness of Jesus, people who love him wholeheartedly, who worship and love God with everything is what he desires, and also that we represent him to the world so people can see him. It's this idea of we're to be worshippers and we're to be witnesses and we're to grow more and more to be like Jesus. So actually what the church is encapsulates a whole lot of different things that are kind of held in tension. But we're going to focus on this um, aspect um, for the next month and, and kind of through this year of, of being devoted followers of Jesus. And what does that mean? Because uh, Jesus, again and again, in the stories of his life, he came to people and said, follow me. Um, he wanted people to believe in him as well. That's, that's, that's important. But a part of believing and trusting him is then actually following him. And I think follower of Jesus is actually a great way to identify ourselves. Because um, we might say that we're Christians, and that's true. Um, but sometimes the word Christian can just mean, well, that's what I believe, or, or that's my religion, or that's kind of what I do on a Sunday. But follower of Jesus actually says, well, actually, no, Jesus is the one that I base my life on, and I'm following and growing to be like. Um, follower is more like the word disciple in the Bible, which means apprentice or learner or student. So not to be just consumers, but actually apprentices to Jesus who follow and learn to be like him. And where that starts... Um, and with Jesus in his, his Gospels as well, he called people to repent, which means to turn from going your own way and to follow Jesus, believe him and follow him. So the way that we start to follow Jesus is actually turning away from 
whatever else we're following or following ourselves or just doing whatever, turning and actually seeing and deciding to believe in Jesus and deciding to follow Him. And then we see in the Bible and, and in our practice as well, that then gets expressed publicly through being baptized. So the, the call in the Bible is repent, means turn and follow and be baptized, which is uh, visibly demonstrate to people that actually, yeah, you're, you're, you're serious about this. You're, you're entering this new life following Jesus. And in the early church, we see that in Acts 2, um, Peter preaches about Jesus and, and who he is and how he's alive. And his, then people say, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. So turn from what you're doing, follow Jesus, demonstrate that in baptism. So that's what happened just before this passage we're looking at. But then after that, we see that the church starts to grow. On that day, 3,000 people turned to Jesus. But then the church starts to grow. But what does it look like for them to be devoted followers of Jesus? And that's what we want to look at. They actually devoted themselves to four things we see in this passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Um, it's interesting because in this passage... Um, it's kind of about the growth of the church, but it's also about the, the practice and the things that these early believers devoted themselves to. So it says in Acts 2, in the verse just before that, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to his number that day. Um, so like what I was saying, right? Like, so what happens is, is Peter said, repent and be baptized, and then people listened. So there's 3,000 people that, that turn and were baptized that day. So the church, like, all of a sudden just grows huge, 3,000 people. And then they devoted themselves to these things that you can read there that, that we just read out before. And at the end of this passage, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if you look at that, I've underlined the two sections. So it's interesting. There's, like, there's this, this explosive growth that happens at the start, and then it says the church devoted themselves to these things. And then there's this continual growth that happens after. And it's just an interesting way that Luke, um, by the Spirit who's written this, has structured this passage. And it's just an interesting sort of key that there's, okay, there's these bookends of growth. And in between, there's these key practices that the church do. And I think what he's trying to say and what, what some of the commentators say is that he's actually making a comment on how does the church grow? The church actually grows and God has a design for its growth. And as a church, we want to be a growing family. And we see in the early church, they actually devoted themselves to these particular practices that actually led to the growth of the church. And what's really interesting is, is what they devote themselves to is actually more about the quality of their connection with God and each other than about the quantity of it. Does that make sense? That the, the church grows, but they're not actually focused on the growth in quantity. They're, 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 it, and growing quantity is important, and, and it's highlighted in this passage still. And, and outreach is important, totally. But what they focus on is the quality of their fellowship with God and their fellowship with other. And because of that, because there's this fire and community and growth and new life that's present, it grows in quantity naturally and by the power of, of God. And I think it's easy um, and, and common for us to kind of get this backwards. Um, and we kind of, when we talk about the growth of the church, maybe tend to think about quantity. And, okay, we want a bigger church, so we need to get 
out, and we need to get more people in, and, and that's, that's good. It's not bad, but if that's the focus, we can just so focus on getting bigger and growing in quantity, a bigger church, and we might think, well, a bigger church is a better church. If it gets bigger, it will get more quality, uh, and we might have that sort of belief, like if things aren't good, we just need to get bigger, but that's not necessarily true. Um, actually, see that God's plan for the church is that it grows bigger by growing down deeper, sustaining roots in Him. This, this early church grows by 3,000, but then they, they realize, actually, we're growing big. We need to have practices that keep us sustained in Jesus and actually growing deep. This is a strategy of, of really being deep first and then wide, or we could say growing quality connections with God and each other and then quantity, going down and then up, or another way to put it is inner renewal that leads to outer renewal. Um, and it's just like a tree, really, like a tree to grow healthy and strong, to have branches, to have fruit, actually needs deep roots and that will sustain the growth. Um, you, all you can see of a tree, right, is the externals that, and the fruit and the branches that are great, but the only reason it's there is because of the deep roots that are sustaining it beneath the surface. So actually, we need to push deep with God and each other and actually be devoted to deepening connections with Him, deepening connections with each other. And if there's a community of new creation and of life and Jesus' presence and joy and peace and hope, like that's magnetic and that's attractive. And actually, in this passage, it says God adds to that. Like God, the, the Spirit was adding and growing this community. So this is um, what we want to do, is, is kind of look at this passage as a bit of a key for God's plan for the growth of the church, not, not just in quantity, but, but in quality leading to quantity. Um, so they devoted themselves, it says, to these four key practices, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the, the plan is that over the next four weeks, just going to look at one of these each week and, and just go deep and unpack it. What would it look like for us individually and as a community to, to see these practices as core to the growth of the church? So um, today, uh, being the first one, we're just going to focus on being devoted to the apostles' teaching. It's just interesting that the church grows. What do they decide to do? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this is, the New Test- this is before the New Testament was written, right? This is like... Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's just ascended to heaven. Peter's just preached the first sermon. Now there's 3,000 people, and there's more people coming in. What do they decide to do? They focus on the teaching of the apostles. What would that have been? Right? It's not the Gospels as they are now. It's not the letters. There wasn't any of that. What would it have been? It would have been the apostles who are the disciples we read about sharing about the life of Jesus that they experienced. They've been sharing, this is what Jesus did here. This is what Jesus said here. This is who he healed here. He actually died, and then we saw him alive. Like They would be sharing and explaining the story of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the ways that Jesus and the Old Testament points toward Jesus. So their teaching of the apostles is all about the life of Jesus because these were people who were called to be with Jesus, and apostle means sent one. They're sent on behalf of Jesus. So the apostles' teaching is all about Christ. And so this new community of followers of Jesus, they follow Jesus by listening to those who are with Jesus. They follow Jesus by hearing the stories of what he did. And it's the same for us today, right? The only way we know 
of Jesus is because of the apostles. Jesus didn't write anything. Jesus didn't write uh, down um, accounts, right? But by the, he inspired them by his spirit, but it's the apostles that wrote the New Testament by, by eyewitness testimony. So it's actually by listening to them that we're able to follow Christ. Uh, but the point is actually following Jesus. And the, the reason why this is so important, and the reason why I think the early church devoted themselves to this, is because what they're doing is actually making sure that this community that's forming is based on truth. Because Jesus is the truth. He's not only uh, the one person who always told the truth, he said he is the truth. He is the revelation of truth, of God. He's the one who came from God, who returned to God, who reveals God. So knowing what Jesus said and did and who he is, is the way to know truth and to live in the reality of how things really are. So listening to the apostles' teaching, those who are with Jesus, is so key for that. Uh, We're called to live in a similar way. If we are, as a community, seeking to live out of the true story of how things are in the world, as revealed by Jesus, we need to be devoted to teaching and learning what Jesus said and did through the Old Testament that points to him and through the New Testament that that shares about his life and and puts it into practice. But it's interesting because we are constantly being told other stories and other truths and other ways that the world is each and every day. We're constantly being shaped by other forms of teaching. So there's a need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, we see this in Romans 12. Um, in response to God's love and mercy, we offer him, ourselves to him. But then in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing, and perfect will. There's this, this thing that, that um, Paul writing in Romans is saying here. It's like, don't be conformed, but actually be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, and there's sort of an implicit statement there that says, if you're not being transformed, you're being conformed, um, which is interesting because maybe we might sort of think, well, you know, we're individuals, we live in the 21st century, we can think what we want to think, and we'll decide what we want to believe. And, and well, if we want to follow Jesus, that's fine, but if we just want to be neutral, that's fine. That, that's what we might tend to believe. But if we go to the apostles' teaching... And the, the biblical perspective of reality says, well, actually, there's no neutral ground. You're either growing and being renewed and transformed, or you're being shaped and you're being conformed. So again, interesting way, like actually looking at biblical teaching shifts how we see things, which is then why it's so important that the early church were devoted. It's so important that we are focused and centered on teaching about Christ, because it's actually the way to live in reality and be transformed and renewed. And if we're not, particularly in our day and age, there's so many messages and teachings and thoughts that are coming at us that are going to shape us in a different way. Uh, this is one quote written by Leslie Newbigin, um, a missionary in India. This is written like 30 years ago, so it's definitely worse today. He said this, Every person living in a modern society is subject to an almost continuous bombardment of ideas, images, slogans, and stories which presuppose a plausibility structure. That means a worldview, a, a, a view of reality, a way to see the world radically different from that which is controlled by the Christian understanding of human nature and destiny. 
The power of contemporary media to shape thought and imagination is very great. Even the most alert, critical powers are easily overwhelmed. He wrote that 30 years ago, before iPhones, before much of the internet. Like, so, so today, continuous media, continuous news, advertisers who are working hard as possible to manipulate and shape so that we buy products and thoughts that's based on a certain worldview that's not a biblical worldview. It's, it's, it's shaping us and conforming us. They're actually devoted to doing that, to, to a belief in the world that's not focused on God or prayer or faith or trust, but it's focused on the here and now. It's focused on pleasure. It's focused on their profits. Um, it, it, it's, it's focused on ourselves. It, it's not pointing us and transforming us to be renewed into to Christ. And um, the early church as well, like obviously didn't have modern media, but were surrounded by very different stories and ways of viewing the world and passionate people who wanted to shape them and conform them to their view of reality. So there was a need to counterbalance it with being devoted to the true story in Scripture of following Jesus. And I think um, if we think about it, there's a need to be as much devoted as they were or even more, particularly in our day and age. Um, there was some research I was looking at from it was 2007 was saying something like we see like over 5,000 ads a day. That was 2007. So like, that's before internet and, and, and Instagram and all sorts of stuff. So th- there's so much messaging coming at us all the time. It's just interesting to, to sort of recognize that for what it is, uh, a, a view of reality, and therefore say, well, actually, if they're so devoted to shaping me in a certain way, what does it look like to be at least as much or more devoted to being shaped and renewed by Scripture and biblical teaching? Um, to be devoted means to, to persist, to work. Advertisers work hard, right, to shape and conform. What does it look like for us to work hard to actually be renewed and persist in engaging with Scripture? So again, this, is not, this sermon is not just like you should read the Bible more kind of, kind of sermon. It's, it's like, well, actually, this is where life is found and true reality. And, and I think as followers of Jesus, we want to, but there is a struggle for all of us. I guess today is an encouragement to, to remember the high priority of engaging with biblical teaching and scripture and then engage ourselves again, not because we, we should or it's the right thing, but because we want to be transformed and renewed in our mind. So one question to ask maybe, what could we do to be more devoted to biblical teaching focused on Jesus in our lives. And obviously, if you're here today, one thing is we go to church and, and, and hear a sermon. Maybe you do daily devotions. But, but just thinking about this this week, it's like, well, that, that's like one half an hour on a Sunday or maybe 10 minutes in the morning, and then it's like ads all day. <laughs> like, it's like, what does it look like to, to um, probably limit that is good. Limit the exposure to, to media is one way. But what does it look like to be even more devoted and find more ways to engage with Scripture. And it's interesting because the Bible talks about this in Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. It says, this is the message translation, write these commands that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up to the morning when you fall uh, into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on your doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. This is an interesting perspective. It's like totally immerse yourself with Scripture all the time is what the writer is almost saying, which, which sounds extreme. But it's like what would it look like to, to seek to do that more, um, to actually practice that? Like what would it look like to intentionally throughout the day just try to talk about Scripture more? Just when you're at home with family or 
friends or when we're having coffee later on, just, what are you reading in the Bible? Like, how's God speaking to you through this? Or, or what was he saying to you today? Just, just engage and, and, and have talk about it more. So look like to tie verses to risks or something like that. I w- looked at one article this week looking at this um, writing on the doorframe, a family that literally did that. They said, okay, we're going to go to every room in our house, and they got a Sharpie, and they picked a verse, and they wrote it on the doorframe. It's like, that's cool. Like, you don't have to do that. But the, the point is, like, well, when you're walking around your house or when you're doing things, like, how could even in that you could be engaging with Scripture? Meditation, memorization, um, there's so many different uh, ways to engage through, through podcasts, which are biblical podcasts or teaching, videos online, um, or even like that we're in, often in such a habit of checking a phone. What does it look like to check the Bible instead? Actually, um, I found a cool app this week that I've been really enjoying. It, it's only on iPhone at the moment, but it's, it, it's like a daily Bible verse app, but it's an hourly Bible verse app. It's like you don't need a daily Bible verse, you need an hourly Bible verse. And it's, I've actually found it really good even the last few days. It's just like, oh, I'll check my phone. Oh, look, there's a new hourly Bible verse. And oh, that's cool. Like, like just being continually reminded about Scripture. So again, this is not to, to put a burden at all, but maybe to think, well, what are creative ways that we could recognize that actually all the time we're getting messaging, how could we adjust that messaging so that it's Scripture and there's more opportunities to take in Scripture and focus on the true story of Jesus? The point of that, though, is not just to do it for a discipline or to do it for the sake of it or to do it to just have more knowledge. It's not the point of engaging with Scripture. The goal is to be transformed by seeing and knowing God in truth, knowing true reality, knowing His love, knowing His mercy. And it's interesting because in this passage in Acts, um, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, but then the apostles are mentioned again in verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles are teaching and people are focused and listening and learning from them about Jesus. But then we hear here and all the way through the book of Acts, we see Jesus is working through them still and he's present with them and working powerfully. So they're teaching about Jesus, and then Jesus is, is, is using them and working through them, and people are encountering Jesus are, and are in awe and wonder of God. So there's this, this balance, and that the, in, in many ways the, the apostles are teaching, and then Jesus is confirming that what they're saying is true, that he really is Lord, that he really does have power, that he really is present. People weren't just hearing about God, but they were recognizing that he's there. He's actually alive. He's present. Um, This is true in Jesus' life, right? Jesus taught with authority, and then he demonstrated God's power, and he healed, and he delivered people, and he rescued people. Um, And it wasn't just that, um, not not that God is somebody that we just learn facts about in a book. And that's not the point, to just learn facts. The point is that he's alive. He's real. And as we learn about him in Scripture, then able to see and recognize and encounter his real presence today in our lives. In a sense, what I'm saying is knowing the Bible, engaging with Scripture, is not an end in itself. The whole point of being devoted to biblical teaching is to know, trust, and experience in greater ways the reality of the risen Jesus who is with us. That, that's the point. Sometimes we can get stuck um, but that's, that's a means to the end of recognizing the truth and seeing 
His love. The, the end goal is that we are in awe and more in love and at more peace and recognizing His joy and the presence of the Spirit in our lives and our relationship with Him. Um, on this, um, Alexander McLaren, who's a, is a preacher and Bible commentator, he's from the 1800s, uh, he said it this way, if we are a church of Christ at all, we have Christ in very deed among us and working through us and on us. And unless we have, in no mystical and unreal and metaphorical sense, but in the simplest and yet grandest prose rally, that's a long way of simply, unless in a simple and straightforward way that we have that living Savior here in our hearts and in our fellowship, better that these walls were leveled to the ground and this congregation scattered to the four winds of heaven, the present Christ is the life of his church. Such a great quote, I think. And the point is, right, if Jesus is not here, if Jesus is not working, if the Spirit is not present, then this is all a waste of time. Like, if, if when we're reading Scripture, it's not engaging us with Jesus and His presence and His Spirit, it's just puffing us up with knowledge, it's a waste of time. It's, it's, it's pointless. That's not the point. The point is to recognize and see His reality. Uh, we're not learning about a dead Savior when we read the Bible. We're not learning about a God who just acted in the past, but a risen Savior and a God who is at work now, who is Lord now. Um, so again, our vision statement is to see the kingdom of God realized, that Jesus announced the kingdom of God is here. And our vision is that through following Jesus and growing as a family and, and, and engaging with Scripture and prayer and worship, we will realize that in greater ways. People will realize and see glimpses, the fact that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is here. So we see the Spirit um, working powerfully in the book of Acts, right? And we see the Spirit poured out, and we see the Spirit working powerfully through the apostles and, and others and in the New Testament. And we, too, need the Spirit to work powerfully through us. Right? We can do nothing without the presence of the Spirit. We need Jesus to be able to follow Jesus. We need His risen presence to know and trust and grow with Him. We need His Spirit if we're going to grow together as a body. If we are His body on earth, it's only because we each have His Spirit active in us, working through us, uniting us, and bringing us together. We need the Spirit if we're going to see people come to see Jesus and know Jesus, because it's the Spirit who draws people and convicts people and reveals Jesus to people. So we need Him in our presence. Um, and I think there's something really cool in this, this passage because they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, and then the apostles are working with signs and wonders, and people are in awe. And it's these two things together that sometimes uh, in churches are divided. Sometimes we might say, okay, this church is a Bible church. They're really good at teaching, and, and, and those people value teaching, and they, they value the mind, and they want to learn, and they want to grow. And that's, that's great, but there's just not much emphasis on the activity of the Spirit. There's not much confidence that God is actually working and present now. And you see other churches, and there, there's all this stuff going on, and there's all this excitement, and there's all these people focused on God's power and God's presence, and stuff's happening, but there's just not much biblical teaching, and it's just not very grounded, and, and, and it's maybe just all heart and passion. And I've kind of used to saying, well, that's one Bible church, and that's a spirit church, and maybe that's just how it is. But we see in the Bible, right, that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, and the apostles are working powerfully by the Spirit. These things actually go together. See, in the life of Jesus, he teaches and the Spirit works. Actually, the Word and the Spirit go together. They're not to be divided. We actually need God's Word to renew our mind, and we encounter Him by the Spirit there. We need the Spirit at work today 
in our midst through um, the ways that he's gifted and worked in us, working powerfully and, and revealing Jesus. So actually, we need the Word and the Spirit together. And the point, again, of that is to reveal him, to know him, to see him. And if we are a church of Christ, we need the apostles' teaching to recognize and know who Jesus is. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to see Jesus at work today, to engage with him and to grow with him more and more. So that's the first of these, these practices. And I guess the uh, invitation through this is to then think, well, actually, as a church, how could we be even more devoted to the apostles' teaching? How could we individually and together do that? So a couple of questions to, to reflect on today, um, maybe tomorrow or this afternoon or throughout the week, is just to take some time and just think, in, in what ways am I engaging with biblical teaching focused on Jesus at the moment? Maybe, maybe just think, well, what am I doing now? Listening to sermons, doing some devotions, that's, that's good. But maybe just reassess, is that working in this season? Um, is there more that God may be calling me to? Is, is there another way to engage with Scripture that could be more life-giving at the moment? So just to take stock, you might have already done that at the start of the year, uh, something often people do, but if not, there's an opportunity uh, this week. And, and another question to reflect on today, just where, where is God at work in my life and the life of the church? And take some time to say, well, actually, Jesus is here. He's the leader. He's working. We need to know what He's saying. What are the evidence of Jesus' presence even in our midst or the evidences of new creation in our midst? Um, and then ask for more and seek more and seek to see more. So I'm going to pray, um, and I just encourage you to have a think about those questions in response today. Um, and then next week, we'll, we'll go on to the next practice. Um, also, after the service today, um, we were doing this a little while ago um, before COVID. We we're getting in a good rhythm, but then we kind of got out of habit through COVID. Just... Uh, if you're here today and you would like prayer, I just invite you, and we'll try and get back in the habit of, if you'd like prayer for anything, to come forward after the end of the service. Um, I'll be up here. There'll be some people available. And if, if it, it could be a big thing, it could be a small thing. But if you'd like someone to pray with you, you just come forward as well. Um, and yeah, just, just to be open to, to how God is working and, and may want to meet us today as well. So maybe if the team, team wants to come back up, and I'll, I'll pray um, as well. Yeah, we just thank you so much, Lord, for um, who you are, Jesus, and just how you came to us, and you call us to follow you. Um, you pursue us, as we, we wrote a song about before, and yeah, it's not that we're trying to get ourselves together and, and do the right thing to get to you. You, you come down to us, and, and you rescue us, and, and you call us, and, and you save us, and you fill us with your spirit, and, and then we get to partner with you in, in, in practicing and growing as your followers, and yeah, we just ask, God, that, that you would um, give us grace and strategies and wisdom in our day and age how to, how to follow the example of the early church and be devoted to learning who you are, Jesus, in greater ways, to growing as learners and, and disciples, as a community centered in truth um, through your word. And, and we just ask that we'd be more and more a community of your spirit where, where people recognize Jesus in us and through us and people see you and realize that you're in charge, Lord, and, and you are risen and alive. And, and we just thank you for how you are at work in, in our hearts and in our ministries and in the people we touch um, throughout the week here. And we just ask, God, that, yeah, your presence um, would fill us more and more, um, that we'd just be a community of grace and truth and power. We just pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Tim.